I have this great tool that I use whenever I'm frustrated and confused about a problem in my life that I thought I was working on, but then I realize I'm not getting anywhere. I'm stuck. And this is a really simple tool. You can use it right now to break through and create a map that shows you the way out of the problem. And you're going to create a set of instructions for yourself to put right in front of you that you can begin to take action on. This is something you write down. Now, whether or not you get the power to do everything you write or just one thing that you write, the act of writing it down has tremendous power in it. Sometimes just naming the changes that you need to make is enough to get that movement started, that step-by-step -step movement. So this is a thought exercise that I use in lots of areas of my life. When I feel like I'm not making progress fast enough or I've lost my focus, it's a great question to ask yourself, if I had to solve this problem inside of a year, what would I do? So it could be something like, if I had to earn X amount of money in a year, how would I do that? Or if I had to be able to run an eight minute mile three months from now, what would I need to do? And then I list at least 10 things, okay? So the money example's real. When my first marriage fell apart and I had two little kids, I had to figure out really fast how to go from earning about 25% what I'd need to survive as a single parent to 100% of what I'd need to survive as a single parent. And later I used this tool to plan my next step up, how I'd get past survival and create a business and a life that would let me pay off my debts, start saving and be a good mom and eventually meet somebody new. So people with childhood PTSD, you know, we get fuzzy a lot of the time on seeing uh, I'm having a problem and if this problem is going to be solved, I'm going to have to solve it. Like that's kind of the obvious thing, but it can be very hard to see. With trauma, you may have ended up feeling like you were waiting for something or somebody outside yourself to change and then you could change. And that's, that's the heart of the problem. So I'm giving you a homework assignment that you can do yourself and I'll put the link. It will be down below in the description section. You can download it, you can print it, you can follow along with me or just listen to how I do it and then download it and you can do it for yourself. So it's called, if I just had one year to heal my childhood PTSD, what would I do? Right? All right. So I know one year is like a tight deadline to heal something as huge as childhood trauma. And healing never follows a planned timeline anyway. But don't worry about that. This is a thought exercise. It's there to open up and stimulate your thinking. So today I'm going to tell you my list. And I've got the benefit of knowing all the things that I did do to heal from childhood PTSD but I did them over a period of more than 25 years with lots of downtime and being off track during whole chunks of time. So I thought I'd share with you the benefit of my hard-won wisdom. If I could do it all over again, this is how I would do it. If I had to heal my childhood PTSD inside of a year, the first thing I would do is I would learn the science of complex PTSD and childhood PTSD. And childhood PTSD is a casual term that I use for the kind of complex PTSD that comes from childhood trauma. Complex PTSD is any kind of intense stress that happens over time, but in most cases, people with CPTSD got it in childhood, but not necessarily. So the books about the science were not out when I first started healing, but if I started right now, 
I would take the ACE survey, um, which is a set of questions to kind of measure how bad was the trauma. I'd get my score. I'd read The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. I'd read Complex PTSD by Pete Walker. They weren't written yet when I started healing, but they're there now. So that's what I would do like right away. And there are lots and lots of other books out there, but that's where I'd start, those two books. Now, if I had had access to these books, it would have saved me decades of thinking I was a broken person and hopeless and for some mysterious reason just always struggling. It turns out my symptoms are totally normal for somebody who had experiences like mine. I'm not broken. I'm normal. I'm having normal responses to abnormal circumstances. Second, I learned to notice the neurological dysregulation that is such a foundational symptom of childhood PTSD and I'd work to master re-regulation. The first thing I'd start doing is the daily practice techniques that I now teach to everybody, to hundreds of thousands of people. And this is the twice daily writing of fears and resentments in a very specific format. And you can learn and try that in less than an hour if you care to. There's a link to that free daily practice course in the description section below all my videos. After the writing, the second part of the daily practice is meditation. It's a very simple, restful meditation. Yes, twice a day. So that's what happens twice a day in the daily practice. Write and meditate first thing in the morning, and then later in the afternoon, sometime before dinner is the ideal time, write and meditate. So the writing and meditation together have a powerful effect. If you want to know what it's like, use the specific technique that I teach and just try it. Just try it. Everybody can try it. And if you take that course, you can join me in free Zoom calls that I lead twice a month for anybody who's learned the techniques and wants to come practice them with me and ask questions. So as it happens, I did learn the daily practice 28 years ago, but back then I had no idea what was wrong with me or why using these techniques made me feel better. I just knew that I felt better. But I also went into resistance and I stopped doing it regularly. And I now know this was like opening a terrible portal for all my CPTSD symptoms to come back. So if I had my healing to do over again, I'd quit messing around and I'd just be religious about my daily practice. And I'd really do it thoroughly twice a day without fail. And I would not quit because somebody in my life found it inconvenient. And I would not quit because things didn't always go my way. What I know now is that when things don't go my way, a lot of times that is progress. That's what it looks like is something that's not working falls away. Also, it's just safe and smart to keep up your healing practice through good times and bad. So that leads me to the third thing I do to heal in a year. I'd quickly get out of all the unhealthy, dead-end, one-sided relationships with significant others and would-be significant others where one of us had feelings, but not both. Sometimes it was me, sometimes it was them, but basically one person who didn't have feelings was kind of using the person who did have feelings because, I don't know, it's kind of fun to have somebody adore you, I guess. But unfortunately, it costs both people their emotional availability. And, and neither person will tend to find true love when they're entangled in this kind of, you know, friendship. So I'd end all of that right off the bat. And then the fourth thing I'd do is become really good at happily spending time alone. This is the difference between solitude, which is happy time alone, and isolation, which is sort of involuntary time alone. I used to have so much anxiety about solitude. And so I'd fill up all my free time doing social things that I didn't really want to do and hanging on to friends I didn't really like just so I didn't have to be alone. Now, I know a lot of people with childhood PTSD have the opposite problem. And I've been in that camp too, isolating and avoiding social interactions. So if I had one year to recover, 
I'd cut down my relationships to just the ones that involved no pining on either person's part, no one using the other person to fill up the seat next to them at the movie, and only people where we both truly cared to know and support each other. That's what a friend is. It's somebody who really wants the best for you and shows an interest in that. For me, it would have meant more alone time. And in my years of recovery, I've discovered there's actually so much joy in in having constructive time alone. Not too much, but some. And to be good at it gives you freedom so that you don't have to like cling and hold on to relationships just because you can't deal with the thought of a weekend alone. A weekend alone can, can be wonderful. You can take trips alone, um, visit museums alone, go hiking alone. You can work alone. You can go to the movies alone. And after the pandemic, actually going to the movies at all is right up there with my great joys. So today I have a family and I love being with them too, but learning to enjoy my time alone has set me up to be free to make choices about being with people or having some joyful solitude, and it makes me happy. So the fifth thing I do is stop spending my money on two things that I was using out of desperation to feel better, therapy and cigarettes. I know, saying therapy is a shocking thing. Let me explain. So first of all, quitting smoking is obvious, right? And I was able to do that after about three years of healing very expensive habit. Quitting therapy was counterintuitive and that happened about the same time. So I realized that therapy is really helpful and often even life saving to people on this channel. If you've watched my videos, you've heard my own story about how for me personally, talking about my trauma in therapy was dysregulating and emotionally and neurologically destructive. And after trying out 11 different kinds of therapy over the years, it was the daily practice where I can write my fearful and resentful thoughts that set me free from the life I was living stuck in my narrative, you know, with looping and looping on the bad things that had happened to me and waiting and waiting for some kind of better mental state to just kick in. In therapy, that better feeling never came. In the daily practice, which happens to cost nothing, it was like the sky opened. And the daily practice, you know, I just had to do it over again. That's all. All I had to do was repeat, repeat, but it was always in my hands to do that. So when I started having that way to kind of release all the intense emotion of having CPTSD, all the losses, all the struggles, everything started to calm down. So that allowed me to stop smoking. And about the same time, I was able to transition easily out of therapy. And then I saved thousands and thousands of dollars. So if I had it all to do over again, I would have magically found the daily practice much earlier in my life. I would have gotten rid of the cigarettes much earlier. I would have completed my therapy much earlier and I would take all that money I spent and I'd put it in tech stocks and now I'd be a jillionaire. Oh, well. <laughs> the sixth thing I would have done um, if I had it all to do over again. And no one ever told me this back then, but it's strong exercise. It is so good for re-regulating. It's good for calming emotions. And who'd have guessed, it's good for your heart, your lungs, your muscles, and pretty much everything in life. So now that I exercise, I have so much more confidence in the world. I feel prettier, I feel healthier. I feel younger, even though I'm way older than I was back in those days when I did not exercise. Okay, the seventh thing I'd do if I had it all to do over again, I'd stop all the negative stuff in my life, starting with my own trash talking of other people and their opinions, their religion, their politics, their taste in food, their music, 
their choice of partners, <laughs> pretty much everything. And I would instantly challenge myself on all my negative beliefs that require black and white thinking. And you know, that you know, these people are good, those people are bad, this person's perfect, this person's evil. <laughs> and I'd completely embrace the understanding I have now that everything is complicated and we're all working out a way to do the best we can. And I'd quit being so judgmental. <laughs> I'd quit telling people how they should change. I'd stop putting myself down. I'd delete all the music I used to listen to that was about death and heartache and revenge and being crazy and getting betrayed and self-pity. Or I'd delete most of that music anyway. I mean, some of it's kind of good, right? <laughs> but I know that it affected me in a bad way. I know that it can be trauma triggering just listening to music about despair. The eighth thing that I do is I'd be a better friend. I'd go to people's weddings when they invited me. I'd call them back when they called. I'd accept them and not abandon them just because I was triggered or busy. And the ninth thing is I'd be a good worker. It took me so long to learn this. When you take a job, your job is to make the boss and the organization successful, period. And I used to make everything so much about my feelings and how I was treated, which sometimes was awful. And the jobs where it felt like that, where that's what I was experiencing, those are the jobs that I was supposed to leave, but I didn't. I hung on to those jobs and just kept waiting for other people to change. And I complained and I talked behind people's backs about it, but I stayed and stayed and I regret that. So that's something I would do differently. I would move on to a job more aligned with my own values, my own abilities and my goals. And then I would enjoy like doing my very best. I love doing my best. That's a very happy thing actually. The 10th thing I do, and I'm happily married now, so this one is moot now, but I, it would have changed my whole life if I'd have learned this earlier. If I were single and I had one year to heal, I would learn to date. I never knew how to date. I thought that dating was just finding yourself all in an emotional bond with somebody because you already had sex with them. And there was a mutual attraction that drove you to that. And then retroactively, you would try to change them into the person that you were hoping they were in the first place. No, it turns out dating is supposed to be a getting to know you process with people to see if they might be someone with whom you'd later want to become committed to. And in my case, I knew that I wanted marriage. I always knew this is what I wanted, but you wouldn't know it by who I dated or how I handled myself in those relationships. I know my confusion around this was from my childhood hurts, but the trauma that bad relationships brought into my life was probably even worse than the trauma from childhood. And worse, even than that, I caused other people to suffer. So I'd completely change that if I had to heal in a year. Zip, you know, done, goodbye. <laughs> so that's my 10 things. And if you are in my courses, you've done this type of exercise before because I'm all about how good it feels to face the truth, even when you thought it would be terrible. And then to take really practical steps to make changes. So you deserve those changes, you deserve a good life. If you wanna write your 10 things down, I made the worksheet and I put the link below where you can download it. I'm not checking your homework. This is just so you can try this exercise and see if it inspires you and helps you make a map of and dream big about your next steps. It's not a crazy goal to change your life in a year. Some parts of your healing are gonna take longer, of course, but if you're ready and you're willing to do what it takes, jump in. There's so much that can start feeling better quickly. You probably already know what to do. And if sticking with your resolutions or your intentions to change is hard for you, one thing you can do is get support. 
one way you can do that is to become a member of Crappy Childhood Fairy. Membership is the inner circle and you get access to all my courses, my monthly webinars, um, the group coaching calls I lead twice a week that are just for members, and an incredible group of fellow travelers, people, men and women who take part in our secret Facebook group, supporting each other, organizing daily practice calls at different times throughout the day, just enjoying friendship with people who understand what it's like to have CPTSD and who are walking the same positive path of healing that you are. So you don't have to accomplish everything you write on your list of 10 things that you would do if you had only a year to heal. But doing the exercise might energize you to stay on the good path and open your mind to what's really possible for you. Everything is possible for you. Childhood trauma is a thief of your mental focus, your confidence, your energy, your love. But you deserve to recover those things. They're yours. Recover what is yours. Be bold and become your full and real self at last. You're beautiful. You are real. Don't let anybody tell you that it has to take forever for you to become fully real and fully beautiful as you were meant to be. You were born for this. You're made to heal. This is your birthright and you've already come this far. So be proud of yourself. I love you and I'm so proud of all you have done to recover and bring your love and your light to this world. We need you and we're on this path together. So happy new year, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.